A man become preeminent, he is expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Folks, what's up? This is Rob D. Pietro, the Dead Poor Hitter. Thank you for tuning in once again to the Poor Hitter Podcast. Hope everyone's doing well. When they're listening to this, yeah, I'm doing really good. You know, happy to be here. Why wouldn't you be? Stop being miserable all the time. Just be happy. You know, pretty simple. Very, very simple. The keys to life. Um, anyway, so I uh, hope everyone's having a great week. It is Wednesday, my time, 10 p.m. By the time I put this out tomorrow morning, it'll be Thursday. But I just had Fred Zinke on the podcast, and um, awesome. What a great time. Just had an awesome, easy conversation with Fred. Um, if you guys don't know, Fred works for... Uh, Yahoo, he writes a fantasy column there and does some um, work over at Rotowire too. And he's on the podcast with Jeff Erickson on uh, that drops on normally on Tuesdays, um, the Rotowire podcast with him and Jeff. Uh, yeah, always love listening to his takes. Uh, it's a very um, clear, concise, uh, uh, well thought out ideas about fantasy baseball. And I always. Uh, you know, wanted to get him on the pod, so, and he, um, wrote an article in 2018 on com that I always loved, and it's a three-part article on trading, and so, um, I know, you know, mostly giving you, uh, you know, some NFBC content that doesn't involve trading, but still playing a home league, that, uh, a couple home leagues that have trading involved, and, uh, you know, I've always been fascinated by the art of the deal, and Fred has been known in the fantasy baseball world as Trader Fred, so um, get into a couple of things, just to what to, like, you know, what to do, what not to do, some tips on how to trade in uh, trading leagues, and, you know, how to really maximize um, the league that you're playing the most, so, um, yeah, we get into that, some, uh, you know, how to pick up free agents and fabbing thoughts, um, how that works mid-season, early season, and so on, um, yeah. And a bunch of other stuff. Again, it was an awesome, easy conversation with Fred. Uh, he's um, immediately one of my new favorite people in the industry. So, um, yeah. So, with that being said, that was, that's what's happening tonight. Uh, it'll be a podcast uh, in the week two with George Montanez and Drew Morris. And um, also the lineup pod that I will uh, drop again that goes over the Friday through Sunday lineup set. For either NFBC leagues or fan tracks or whatever league you're playing that accommodate that kind of um, lineup for batters. Um, I get into, you know, you know things to watch out for and things to be a note of. It's just a quick hitting, you know, 15, 20 minute pod. I've been trying to keep it up to. I'm trying to add, um, you know, take notes of uh, 
some things that might help um, bring the knowledge. So, uh, you know, adding stuff to the pod, adding stats or tweaking um, the format of the podcast. So, you know, any feedback on that would be great. Um, I've been getting some. So appreciate it. Appreciate the listen. Appreciate the love. You guys are what makes this happen for me. And keep you motivated to, um, you know, give you guys some some good fantasy baseball talk. So, um, yeah, we'll get into that. And like I said, tonight, this episode with Fred was just straight up, you know, there was some player analysis sprinkled in there. But this was just like uh, more of a a general chat about fantasy baseball and and how we play it. And um, as you guys know, if you listen to the podcast, you know, like I really enjoyed that um, during the draft season. Um, really just talking openly to other fantasy baseball players about, you know, how they approach the game, how they play, how they evaluate players, um, you know, how to, how to trade, um, you know, how to fab and process, you know, like we talked about something simple tonight, like how do you scan a box score, you know, because I have my process. I know that, you know, um, back in the day in, 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 uh, the old days of Brooklyn, you know, my brother, my father, anyone used to just uh, read the newspaper, and I was just constantly reading box scores off the daily news, you know, three for four, run, ribby, you know, just the way I kind of read it. I kind of read it like that, too, when I when I look at box scores. I, like, kind of read it out in my head, um, and then I kind of, like, quote-unquote, remember it a little better. But, um, yeah, so we even had to talk about that. You know, I think I just talk about, hey, how do you scan a box score? Like, how do you go through the daily movements, you know, do you look at it once, do you look at it twice, and, you know, Fred described it a great process, um, so everyone has their ways, of, um, you know, trying to be more efficient at things, trying to do as many things we can in one day, and, uh, you know, especially when you spend days, you know, just not sitting by the computer and checking out your, you know, stuff all day, you know, you have to, if you have limited time, you want to know how to, you know, crunch down and do it in a, a more efficient manner, so, yeah, on to the episode with Fred, cheers. Alrighty, folks, welcome to the Pool Hitter Podcast. Tonight, I have with me Mr. Fred Zinke. Fred, how are you tonight? I'm awesome. How are you doing, Rob? I'm doing wonderful. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, but we really love your written content and your podcast with uh, Jeff on Rotowire. Um, so I feel great to talk to you today. So thanks for coming out. Yeah, I love to get on a lot of different podcasts over the course of the season. And this is one I hadn't been on before. So I was excited when you reached out to me. Cool. Yeah. Um, how, how often do you get pulled into something else? Do you do like one, like, uh, once a week on top of what you do with Jeff or like, what's the usual for you? I kind of leave it up to fate. Like I'll like, like, (laughs) this is is, (laughs) like maybe bad advertising, but so I don't, I kind of just leave it up to fate. If somebody asks me to come on, you know, because some other guys over the years asked me to come on theirs and I'm, I'll say, sure. If someone asks me, I'll say yes, basically like, like, unless, you know, I, I, I can't make it work, but basically, especially since COVID happened, like pretty much if someone asked me, I can say yes. Uh, right. but, but then I leave it up to fate. I don't really chase other podcasts. So if somebody asks me, I'll say yes. If nobody asks me, then I'm not doing any other ones that week. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. And do you, um, do you listen to other podcasts as well? Yeah, I try. I'm an avid runner. So uh, oh, okay. gotcha. I listen to podcasts. So I try to run maybe about five times a week, maybe okay. about 40 minutes a run. So, uh, so that gets me about 200 minutes of, uh, of podcast time a week. So, and I try Ooh. to mix it up. So it just depends. 
Like sometimes I try to get to hit like a daily one that's kind of wrapping up last night's news. If I don't think I've done a good job of doing that myself. Right, uh, if right. I have, then I might dip into uh, some ones that are maybe not daily like this one and try to get more. It, it kind of depends what I'm looking for. Uh, and, and then in the off season, I really try to spread it out and listen to a lot of different podcasts. Cause as you know, there's not as much off season content but I still got to run five times a week and I don't want right. to listen to other podcasts. So I need my fantasy baseball podcasts in the winter. So I branch out more in the winter for sure. Right. And, and, and I always tell people like I've had a couple of listeners like, you know, every love your show and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, make sure you listen to this, this, and this show. And like, Oh really? I'm like, yeah, because you have to listen to as much as you can, you know, like as much as your brain can absorb because you don't want to just keep listening to someone's advice all the time or, or like at least outlook on everything. Right. You know, you, you have to hear different things and different voices and different perspectives. At least that's the way I've been growing in the last year, talking to countless people um, about fantasy, you know, um, just keeping like an open ear and just really learning um, all the ins and outs and everything I can absorb, you know? So it's not just about listening to one or a couple of your favorites. I try as much as I can to, to try a new one, you know, or see if I can get a new one into the rotation because um, mm -hmm. I like getting a new perspective. Yeah, I agree with that. I, there's a few, and I would never name them on here, but there's a few that I've listened to over the years where I'm like, I, I don't really agree with these guys and I don't want their ideas seeping into my perspective. So mm. I'm going to cut that one out. But but that's that's just a few of them. There's a lot of them that give great points and I'll find sometimes I'll be running and I'll hear like a good point about something. And I'll think to myself, like, I, like I got to remember that when I get home, sometimes right. I remember it. Sometimes I don't, but it might be a specific point about a player. And I'd be like, Hey, I need to, I need to put that into action when I get home. Or it may just be like a general point about playing fantasy. And I'll just be like, Hey, I got to remember that when I get home, but you're right. The, the group think of the industry, like if you ignore the group, think of the industry, like you're, you're doing that at your own peril. Right. Absolutely. And such a good point. You know, when I hear something, if I'm outside, I put my dogs in, I have a podcast on. It's like, you know, I have I have um, I'm a big note writer and like pencil to paper kind of guy. Like it sticks into my brain and I'm able to absorb it and, and I retain it like instantly. Um, I've always been like that. And sometimes, you know, with um, again, I, I as we spoke earlier, I was a former carpenter. So like spreadsheets and kind of new to me. So like even just making them and then I'm like, wait a minute, I have a written list and I have this list. So I've been trying to get more efficient like that. Like mm -hmm. if I'm listening to a podcast and I'm outside for my dogs, I'll, I'll just try to keep like a note thing, you know, and then when I get inside, I'll like make a reminder to transfer that note to, <laughs> to like, yeah. you know, like something on the computer. It's just yeah. it's anything that we can to really like, cause something, can really pop in your brain and like you said you really just want to be able to like write that down and mm -hmm. not not forget about that and then, then that's how you get like infinite list that's the way i feel like yes yes <laughs> you do yeah this is definitely a game you never fantasy baseball especially you never quit learning right absolutely so yeah. speaking of fantasy baseball when did you get into um baseball in general and fantasy baseball and then how did you get into the um fantasy baseball community and the content world yeah, so I, 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 I kind of got turned off of baseball in the 90s, like a lot of people, I think, mm -hmm. uh, you know, strike, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and I was just kind of like a teenager and looking for some maybe some faster sports. And anyways, uh, late 90s, I got into playing fantasy baseball. A friend of mine in university ran a home run pool. Uh, we Ooh, just got nice. all got together with a case of beer and just drafted guys and we each picked a team and whoever's guy whoever hit the most homers that kind of brought me back just looking at box scores in the newspaper all all summer seeing how my 
home run hitters did. It was a really easy way for me to get back into baseball. And then the next year I was hooked and I was full fantasy baseball. I was playing at ESPN um, at the time and, um, and, and loved it, but didn't think I would ever do anything in it. And um, anyways, fast forward, maybe about 2006 or so um, I was, uh, on a sun vacation in Cuba, actually, because us Canadians go on sun vacations to Cuba, and, uh, <laughs> great baseball place. And I was with my my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. And um, I read the book Fantasyland, which I okay, think yeah. probably everybody who plays fantasy baseball religiously uh, has read that book. And I read that book just laying by the pool in Cuba. And we didn't have kids at the time. And I had a, like a decent amount of free time, like in the evenings on the weekends, I said to my wife, like, I think I want to like get into this, like a little more, like, I just was inspired by the book. I was like, I think, I think I might like find a chance to write or do something. And, and she was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Like whatever you want to do. That's fine. <laughs> like, like I said, we had free time then. So right. uh, there was a site called fantasybaseball.com. Great name for a fantasy baseball website. <laughs> and uh, they threw out a junk, like a spam junk type email saying that they were looking for, and Todd Zola was, was working there at the time. Okay. And so was Jason Gray. Wow. Um, and they said that they were looking for just uh, unpaid, uh, like note writers, player note writers. And uh, you know, you could do an article a week or whatever. And I was like, Hey, that, that there it is. I got free time. I don't need to get paid at the time. Like I was working. I, I like, I was like, there it is. That's what I'll do a couple hours a week. Well, anyways, I worked for them for three years, Jason left and then Todd left. And then uh, it was kind of just me. And, and I ended up kind of doing a lot of stuff there. And then, um, and then from there, I ended up getting a job with major league baseball um, and just kind of working my way up the ladder there. And I ended up working for them for seven years. And, uh, and then they, they kind of like mostly closed down their fantasy department about three, I guess it was two or three years ago now. Right. So then I've moved on and, and now I'm doing, you know, some Yahoo writing and some Rotowire pods and everything. And it's all been good, but yeah, it all started with that book fantasy land. And, uh, now I consider Nando DeFino, who's like, obviously one of the main characters in that book, like a good friend. Um, but I never, when I was reading that book, you know, I never thought, I never really, I never really thought it would get, get to the point where I played in Tout Wars and some of those things. Right. Um, I was just right. starting to dabble in, in the NFBC and, you know, I read about Tout Wars in the book and I, I said to my, my wife, like I said, I said, I'd love to go in this Tout Wars contest someday. I wonder if I could ever get in it. And there, there you go. Fast forward a few years. And I think it was 2011 was my first year in that contest. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's a really fascinating story. Um, I feel like, yeah, I that's why every time I sit down and talk to anyone, I'm just like so um, leading up to it, I'm just like a little bit overwhelmed, like with, uh, I think, excitement because, you know, uh, I've been following you guys, reading your content for years and, you know, just getting to, you know, share some thoughts. It's just awesome. You know, like just like you, you explained, like you, you read the book, you see this guy you end up, you know, working your way into the league uh, with them. So it's, it's pretty fascinating. Um just if it's such a great community it's just awesome what you could do with fantasy baseball um you, yeah I, I also was gonna say i do feel like i'm getting into a new community a little bit now which i like and that's kind of the nfbc community yes. um i played nfbc events like like 2006 7 8 9 like stuff like that um but once i started working for major league baseball um i agreed that i wouldn't play for money anymore gotcha so, okay and which i think was fair like they're yes, the league yeah 
yeah, yeah. I was their lead fantasy writer there, the league. Um, so I, and I, and I, th- I thought that was, and I said, that's totally fair. So for year, for the seven years I worked for them, I just played all the expert tout wars labor, all the different expert contests, but didn't touch any NFBC. So just the last couple of years, I'm starting to get into that again. And, um, this year I, I went in the main event for the first time in like 15 years. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm partnered with Jeff Zimmerman. Yes. And, yes. You um, guys are doing well. Yeah. Yeah. And we kind of like, we started kind of working together last year and it's been really good. And then through him been doing more NFBC stuff and I really enjoy it. Like I've always loved the NFBC. I always think the contests are awesome and I just wasn't into it. So now I feel like I'm connecting more with people like yourself and, and a lot of other people who are, who are big in NFBC who I didn't connect with before I kind of just connected with people who went into wars and labor and things like that. So now I kind of got both groups and I really like it. Absolutely. Uh, nailed it on the head there like i think i was telling you right before we podcasted like my journey into this uh venture and it's uh rooted in a you know um an injury at work and um just really listening to as much as i can reading as much as i can and i remember um telling my wife you know i i won a couple home leagues and you know uh that's funny too because when we when we first met each other, she's like, how do you do in this fantasy? I'm like, um, you know, so the first couple of years that we were together, we, we, we would go away like every year, like just win a, win a home league and be like, oh, do you want to go on vacation? And she's like, oh, yeah, like that happens every year. I'm like, no, not every year. But, you know, as much as it can happen, we're going to go away with it. You know, like that's mm-hmm. what we'll do with it. And um, so when you, um, you know, she a couple of years back, she's I was really starting to like at least look at the NFC not play and I was telling her about it and she's like you should do that so the next time you you know why don't you save money from your home leagues and you know try it you know and so I, I get into it and I try it and I randomly win yeah. <laughs> champions <laughs> overall and then that's how you said like you know I I just remember even too like I wanted the podcast to be such um, a broad range of things. And I tried to um, make it that way, but like, I got like, that was like a, like um, a leap into um, a group of people that I instantly started talking to and been like, wow, this is awesome. Like, then this is cool. Like you said, it's uh, definitely a little um, patch of uh, people there that play in the NFBC. And it's um, I love it because I feel like this is the competition level that, you know, that uh, is the best and it's, it's awesome. Um, everyone's real cool. Um, I had my first live experience this year in New York and um, it's great, you know, um, cool, cool to be a part of it. And I just realized too, that um, you, um, I want to ask you about you and Jeff and how you guys started to play um, on the same team, because I know we're in that tag team league. Um, and, you know, how did you guys do that? How did you, um, how do you draft when you're drafting with a partner? Do you zoom it up and like, you're just constantly, um, if it's not live, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, well, I think the big thing with, so I had never had a partner before, okay. uh, this and Jeff and I played against each other in the same tout wars league for, I don't know, maybe like five years or so, um, and got to know each other a bit there. And I think had a mutual respect for each other. And then prior to last season, uh, over the winter, Jeff reached out to me and asked me if I would be interested in doing some leagues together. And I said, yes. And then I think what I learned was, and the big thing is like, 
so he does his draft prep. I do my draft prep actually, but throughout that process in the winter, we're in constant communication. So I'm saying to him, like, like I'm sharing, like, like my rankings at, at, like at various times he's sharing his with me. I'm saying, I'm sending him little messages to say like, Oh, I'm, you know, been looking into this guy. I'm like, feel really good about him and, and, you know, and see what he thinks about him. So when we, when it comes to the time where we actually draft, like we have, pretty good understanding of who each of us like who we both like you know because there's some guys we both like but then at the same time there'd be someone who he really likes or and i'm not as hot on but maybe he needs that like maybe that he should have that one or vice versa right so right um i I didn't think it would be quite as smooth as it's been i actually thought it would be harder but it's actually been been totally good and then and then this year i found it even smoother than last year um i think now we just know each other better and uh yeah and i've come to i I think it helps me because i think it makes me a little more accountable to my teams because i feel like i'm a little responsible to myself and to jeff and and then so on a sunday night like you know we'll do like get on skype and and plan out our our bids together for who we want to bid on for our teams and and how much we want to spend and i think again that makes me a little more accountable a little less likely to to gloss over some players right. or to just kind of get tired and be like, Oh, forget it. Like good enough. That list is good enough. So, so anyways, I think it's been good. It wasn't something that I thought, I thought I was too stubborn to have a partner, <laughs> but too. it turns out I'm not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would totally agree with that. I thought, yeah. I totally thought I was too. Um, uh, I remember when the, the league got, you know, thrown out there and Jenny had approached me, Jenny Butler and she, um, she said, Hey, do you want to play in this league together? And, I was like, oh man, like, I don't know how I'm going to treat you. Like, you know, like, cause I've never done this before. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I have, I have a, you know, my brain is a constant war um, with, with player evaluation. I, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to even <laughs> have you get involved in that yeah. thing because. <laughs> but, I, I um, think, uh, yeah, I think, I think when you realize, so I, I've always recognized in fantasy baseball, how often I'm wrong. Like we're all wrong. Even when you win your league, you're wrong so much. And then, so as long as you really respect your partner, like if it was, if your partner's with someone here, like, I don't think this person's very good at playing fantasy baseball, then that's not going to end well. But if you really respect your partner, like if Jeff says like, you know, Hey, I I got, I, I really believe in this guy to add in fab or whatever. And here's why, like, like then I'm in, like, I'm interested, right? Like if he's got a guy that he wants to pick up on next Sunday and he's got a reason and he can explain it, then I'm in because right. like he, he, cause I respect him and his analysis and he sees something. So we're good. I think as long as you respect the person, but like for me to ever think like, well, if, if I'm not interested in the guy, then he's not worth being interested in. Right. Like right. I can't, I can't do that because in all honesty, I mean, all you have to do and you've, I'm sure you've done this. Like even when you have a team, like you had that's super, super successful, you go back and look at your draft and you're like, Oh my gosh, why <laughs> yeah. are I doing there? Like, what was I picking him for? Like, how was he that? How did I not see the warts on that guy? Or, or a fab guy you added a couple guys like and you're like oh that was a waste of like you make so many mistakes even when, you, when you're successful so many mistakes that's good yeah. like that and that's part of what we're going to talk about later it's in your trade trade mm-hmm. articles like talking about um just you know that you're not right all the time that's so, mm-hmm. it's such a big thing you know because it, yeah and i learned more from the, um like the team that um like you said like when you I think because you get just hypercritical, like even if you do very well or, or like even bad, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to take more of a deep breath, I think, and, and, um, 
I think I'm being like too hard on myself sometimes <laughs> when I, you know, when I'm looking at my teams, I'm like, okay, it's like walk away, you know, yeah. it's going to be okay. It's a long season. Yeah. Uh, last year, you know, I think a lot of people are struggling with still being in last year's brain, you know, like that short yeah. season. And I th- think because we're in that same, we're in the same world, you know, like that same, uh, you know, thing that we've been in for the last <laughs> so mm-hmm. long, uh, you know, so I think we're all still like in that. Oh, well, the world is the same. So the baseball season is the same. It's going to yeah. be 60 games. <laughs> yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. We're learning how to be patient again this year. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess what I wanted to ask you with the, with the tag team thing too, is um, so how do you, um, and it's part of my question of like, how do you like do your play evaluation in the off season? Is it like a projection-based, um, you know, um, rankings? And then, so I guess, how would that work with, uh, I guess, maybe Jeff does the same thing that you do, or if it's different, how do you, you know, work with that? Yeah, so so I make my own projections Okay. Uh, cool. from scratch. Like, like just one player at a time, me at the Fangraphs website, me with the baseball forecaster out in front of me, picture me sitting with the baseball forecaster beside me and the Fangraphs website open one player at a time. I make my projections. I usually start in about mid-December when the baseball forecaster comes to my house and I go through whatever I can get done in a day. And it probably takes me maybe four weeks or so I'm, to do Really? Every- I'm fascinated. One player at a time. That's amazing. One player at a time. And I've done it every year for 15 years at least. So that's awesome. Yeah. And I, and I do, so I can, in about, in about four weeks, I can do everyone you would need for a 15 team mixed league draft. Now in touted, I went in the NL the last couple of years. So I, I just kind of have to go in and then expand on that NL pool in March before that, but I don't touch that till then. So, so I, so I'll, I'll do maybe 500 players or something over the four weeks. Um, I kind of get it in around Christmas when I have a little more time off work and some extra time maybe to work on it. But, um, and I use the SGP uh, method and kind of play, I work with my own denominators and things like that, that I set up different from obviously what's in the books and what some other people use, but but I have my own, but, but I use the SGP method and I'll, uh, but anyways, I'll, I'll sit and I do, and I know not, I've learned that not a lot of people do this, but I thought everyone was doing it, but I, I found in the last few years, not, not a lot of people do it. One projection at a time, one guy at a time. So, so I'll do, you know, I'll, all the first basemen until they're all, until I got 30 or so of them done. And then it's on to the second baseman. And anyway, so, that's awesome. and I, and I try to rank them. So or project them before I project them. I try not to read too much. So, because I kind of want to, I want to project them from what I see what I see on the fan graph site, what I remember from last season, what I see in the baseball forecast or whatever, but I, I don't want to get the noise from the industry in on me. So during mm. October, November, December, I try to, I don't take a break from the industry because I want to know the news and I still want to have fun with it. Like I still listen to podcasts, stuff like that, but I try not to get into other people's analysis on all these players. And luckily there's not a lot of it out in November, December, other than right. just like, Oh, this guy signed with this team. And, Oh, I like that landing spot or I don't like that landing spot. But, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, so I try not to look at much of what the industry thinks about players so that those first set of projections, those are really authentically mine. Awesome. That being said, I miss a lot of things because, mm. <laughs> because they're just mine. Then I'll start comparing my projections to ADP, early ADP, 
I'll project, I'll compare my projections to what Jeff has. He has his own, I won't go into his cause that's his, but he has his own right. way of doing it. But yeah. I'll, I'll compare my projections to his, to what, how he has guys ranked. And I'll start to look for who the outliers are. And then I will go back at the players who I have way lower than ADP and the players who I have way higher than ADP, I'll go back and they'll get like a second run through for me to be like, okay, was I crazy here? Like, you right. know what I mean? Like, was I crazy yeah. on this guy? Um, or do I believe that I I'm seeing something that maybe the in, the industry at large isn't seeing. So, right. and, and sometimes I, I end up moving the guy back towards the pack and sometimes I don't. And, and then that, the guys who I don't obviously end up being the guys who end up being on 75% of my teams or something. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, oh, that's cool. That's an, yeah. that's an awesome process. Um, yeah. I, I know, I know a couple of people who, who like to look at, um, you know, players individually and uh, just do as much as you can in one player. But it, there's not a lot that I've spoken to that do it that way. And I think it's, I know. I think it's awesome because um, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if it's something that I need to at least incorporate a little more because I'm, you know, um, I feel like when I do like a player dive, like in season, just to see like for fab or anything, I feel like it's a great process. And I'm like, maybe I should just do this preseason as well you know that's a great yeah it's just it's such a timely process that that spreadsheet becomes basically my best friend from like january through till like when i close that thing on opening day or after my last draft like i am so happy when i close that i'm like oh we're done with that but but i love it like i love doing it and when i'm making it at the beginning i almost don't want to do it because it's such a big job right it's like starting a huge job reno at your house or something like that like you don't want to start but then once right. I'm into it, once I'm into it, then I, I love it. And every, every day I'm co- like updating certain players and changing, modifying projections and everything. And I know the projections aren't right. Like, I know that, like, I I've seen all the stats. I can't get everybody's projection, right. I can't even be that close to right. But the process of doing it allows me to have a, like a pretty deep understanding of every player. Right. right. Like, like I, I, I know why I projected him a certain way and like what I think, positively or negatively about them and that's i think the big thing of it is you have just have a really deep knowledge of the player pool and each member of it once you're done so right. i think that's the benefit of it but i'm not foolish enough to think like that i can actually project these players perfectly or even close right. To perfectly right right yeah. Yeah. yeah and and then like what's what's a perfect you know what's a perfect ejection if you mm-hmm. if you nail um a couple things and get a couple things really off on one player you know like how good is that projection you know like how do you rank your own do you do something like that at the end of the year fed do you like not not really i don't do a big big recap at the end of the year i try to learn from my teams okay and i try to learn some takeaways there so like um like if i find like like i'll try to look at maybe some of my of my common picks um the good ones Okay, what was I on to that was good? The bad ones. Okay, where did I go awry with some of these players? So, um, and try to just kind of get those general takeaways. So I'll give you a great example. I felt like a few years ago, my teams were too old. I just felt Hmm. like, like, however I was projecting, I was not giving enough of an age, like, like, like I was not, you know, diminishing guys enough for an aging curve. And I found often at the end of the year, when I looked back at my teams and the players who didn't work out, they were older players. And I was like, okay, so I'm, I, I really thought about it. I was okay. I need to be more aware of the breakdown potential of these mid to late thirties guys. Right. And, and that was just a lesson I learned. So now as I'm ranking them, like I'll, I'll come to like an Andrew McCutcheon or, 
or someone like that and think to myself, okay, Fred, don't be too optimistic on him. Don't, <laughs> don't get carried away here, right? Like, like these are your weaknesses. So I, I, I think those are some things, uh, like I try to learn from it almost more anecdotally than, than crunching numbers. Right, because then you have like a nice little Rolodex in your head of, of things yeah. you're aware of that that you can, um, you know, that you're doing wrong or that mm. you can do better. Yeah, that's mm. that's yeah. awesome. That's really yeah. cool. Um, so give me a little brief peek into your teams right now. Who's um, you got some teams that are doing well? Who who's like really carrying you this year so far? Oh, I know who's not carrying me, and that's Francisco Lindor. He's oh, he's my he's my most rot, maybe my most invested player this year, and or or close to it at least. And uh, yeah, he's not carrying me. Um, well, let's see. My main event team with Jeff is going really well. Right. Um, it's in the it was in the top twenty this morning. We'll see where yeah. it is by tonight and where it is in a week. I don't know if it'll. How often do you check it? Uh, well, I check it. I check like how it did daily but i don't necessarily check the main event standings right right that yeah. often yeah so you check like your team like stats you just like like just use the live scoring to see or you just kind of just brief and take a look at the league yeah i'll go through the box scores in the morning and okay. then i have a pretty good like mental picture of who's on all my teams pretty right. good and so then i have like a pretty good idea and I, since my main event team's like a little bigger investment i kind of have that roster bookmarked in my head more than most teams so right. like i find like when i look through a box score if i if it's got one of those guys so but i won't go through and check maybe all of them every day um what is your box team- score process explain <sighs> that yeah, yeah like I, i'm struggling right now because i you know i i grew up in new york it was just daily news and and the new you know post it was simple boxes but now like i love the game feed but like how come they don't have stolen bases like or you know like yeah wins loss and save like next to the name because i feel like i i really love getting into that game feed on on Statcast because i i like looking at the you know the whiffs and the swings and all this cool fancy new stuff like Mm -hmm. and it's so in depth and yet it's missing just like that simple thing. Like, but I yeah. want to see if someone got the save, <laughs> you know, yeah. I can figure it out, but I just want to yeah. see it. Like when yeah. I see it, I like it. Or even, even like, um, you know, balls and strikes, just simple balls and strikes is, uh, is too much to go through. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm on the, you know, I'm on a regular box score page. I'm on the Avant page. And I'm like, this is too much. Like it used to be a simple process for me. And I think I yeah. got to simplify it. <laughs> so I, I kind of break it down into two processes. So the first process is just for fun. And that's just first thing I do in the morning, unless I stayed up late the night before, which I don't usually, but first thing I do in the morning is I just go through, I used to use the app bad app, but maybe mm-hmm. from my old MLB.com days, but I'll use the app bad app. And yeah. I just go through the box scores one at a time. And I just look at them. And I just look at like who, who hit homers on my, like I go one game at a time. Did I have anyone playing? Do I have a lot of rostered guys in this game? Who, who hit homers? Who stole bases? Who went over four? Who won? Who got the save? Oh, look, Sean Doolittle got a save last night. Right. That's interesting. Stuff like that. But I actually just do it for fun. I'm yep. checking box scores. I'm seeing who won. Oh, the A's won again. That's a nice streak they had going and stuff like that. That maybe takes me like, not that long, maybe like 20 minutes or something like that. But that's like the sports fan in me and just the fun fantasy owner in me. Um, then I'll go out and like walk my dog, feed my kids breakfast, things like that. And then at some point during the day when I have time, 
I'll sit down and then there'll be like a different process where now I'm going to look through the box scores or through, like you said, it could be stat cast data or something, but I'm going to start looking through at the other players, at the players who aren't on my teams at, Oh, who's this guy who hit a home run last night for the twins or something like that. Maybe that's someone I need to look into. Like, so the first run through, totally for fun. That's when I might look at my main event team or any of my other teams, my tout wars team, something I always check. Um, just cause I've always, cause right, right back to that original story. I've always wanted to be in that contest. So I always right. check it. That's awesome. But then, then later, like I said, I'll go through and look more at like, Oh, where were different guys hitting in the lineup and all these things that, uh, that might lead to like future decisions, but I like to take some time every day just to enjoy fantasy baseball and sometimes when you look through the box scores, you don't enjoy it because none of your players played well the last night, but <laughs> <laughs> at that, then it only takes me 10 minutes to go through the box scores. Cause I just like click over four crap, click over four crap. And then right. you just, you're like, Oh, well my team didn't do anything last night. That's too bad. Yeah. Right. Right. I, I have, um, I have a little whiteboard and it's right at the top. It says, keep the fun in it. You know, and yeah. I just, I just do, I want to like, uh, and, and that's because I need a reminder. I'm like, hyper super competitive person like um mm-hmm. you know i think it's rooted in like playing um pick up basketball in brooklyn it's just <laughs> and being like a like a short white italian kid you know like uh i i always like scratched and like i always wanted to you know out you know play everyone in 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 different facets and i just like keep you know kept it all the time and um but it's good to pull away and, you know, and like even just doing a podcast, whatever, just trying to make some notes or it's just like, all right, just make this fun. You know, this yeah. is, this is, this is what you enjoyed, you know, doing when you first started playing. It's just like, Oh, this is cool. I'm playing against my friends and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, it needs to stay, it needs to stay in that kind of realm. Sure. It does. I, I do find having a lot of teams or like more teams. I used to just have like one or two teams a year. Then I found I, like you could really get bummed out in the morning. Now, if you have a lot of teams, it's like every day, like probably some of your teams did well <laughs> yesterday and some didn't like, it's just like a big massive pile of, of players. And you've got some on three teams and some on four and some on just one. And, but somewhere in there, there's probably some positive. So I find that helps me to keep more even keel there. I do like, I actually with Nando Defino and I've talked about this. I do like the romance of just having like one team or two teams and you're like married to that group of players. Right. Yeah, because like, because you don't have eight, seven or eight teams, like, but you're, you're like those, that one group, those are my guys. But that is what leads you me to sometimes get frustrated in the morning because all I had went bad last night. So I find now like, yeah, like I said, like, like between all the games and all the teams I have, now I'm pretty even keel every day. Some nights I can feel as I look through the box scores, I'm like, okay, that was not a good night overall. Right. But it's, yeah. it's probably not a stinker for every team. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, I didn't mean to divert with the box score. So you're, yeah. um, how are you doing in your tat wars? I'm, I'm in the lead with that one right now. Awesome. Um, I had, I had a Fernando Tatis injury scare like everyone else in, in that one, but Oof. he's come back strong. I resisted the urge to try to trade him. Nobody made me an offer. So uh, I think that team is not perfect. It has Luis Castillo and Francisco Lindor. So it has some guys who are not right. helping, but that, that team's doing fine. Uh, and then my other teams are all like, actually my tag team one that I'm in with you uh, is my worst, might be my worst one right now. It had some injuries after the draft and then is just like off to like a crummy start. It's probably my worst one. All the rest of them, I think are like in the top half of the league. So now we'll just see where we go from here. Right. And that tag team league, and you know, like it was, it was the first non-fab 
I mean, the first fab draft that mm-hmm. I did of the year, you know, I was mm-hmm. just doing draft champions and, and 50s and just like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. and then um, it was such a, it was such a difference get, um, getting into that mindset because um, I remember just talking to Jenny and just certain like players i'm like okay like how how much higher are they gonna go you know mm-hmm. um and there was a big bump like in certain pitchers that were going like 320 340 in dc and they just went like you know to you know 200 and 210 i was like whoa i wasn't expecting this so hmm. um but that was an interesting um like uh first you know not, uh fab draft of the year and um yeah, I, I, and that was a while ago. That was sometime in February, right? It was, was. I, I. It in, was early. Yeah, in February, I enjoy February drafts because I'm dying to draft because we haven't drafted since since you know football drafts ended, kind of thing, or hockey right. drafts ended months earlier. But, um, but then every year after the season starts, I'm like, oh, why do you do February drafts? Like, you know what I mean? Like you draft Framber. Like I loved Framber. I loved Framber Valdez until he got hurt. I still think he could be good when he comes back. But, but anyways, I drafted him in some February drafts and I'm like, ah, like, why do you do February drafts? Why don't you just wait until the middle of March? Because you can't wait. Like you're excited. And somebody says, do you want to go in this tag team? And you're like, damn right i do right especially like, if you I, think you're prepared enough more I, than yeah. everybody else right and you're like oh i'm ready yeah like, you know i'm i'm firm where i am and my evaluation and i'm ready to go mm-hmm. you know yeah and, and that's the truth like you are prepared but you don't have a crystal ball like yeah. you don't know how all these closer situations are going to turn out and who's going to get hurt in spring training and and everything so anyways it's all in, it's all like i said it's all in good fun right absolutely yeah. like i i did my first ever you know uh my the season with Tom. like i got i got the Mike the mouth. Um, hey, get into the into my draft champions. You know, you draft champions overall. I'm like November. I'm like I never did a draft in November before. And that yeah, was, exactly. You know, I, I looked there, and I don't think I ever will. Uh, and it's I'm not doing bad in it, which is pretty crazy. But like I have Harry Kendricks and Naka. Right. <laughs> it's like yeah. you know, I thought those were good picks. Like especially they Kendrick, were. it was like 46 rounds, and I'm like, this guy's a stack here throwing. Of course we want to take him. But yeah. Oh man, yeah. I look back and I'm like, yeah, don't do that ever again. November. <laughs> but I'll say that now. But um, it's definitely not going to be the uh, case. So I just actually wanted to ask you a couple of things about some recent, you know, um. Uh, baseball news or trends or mm-hmm. you know especially about the ball so i want to ask you about the ball and if you think it's different and if you think it matters anyway does it like affect the way you evaluate so it probably does matter but i don't know how so i haven't really factored yeah. it in very much that's kind of my i right. i think i'd rather just i know there i know the ball's different we'll see what people maybe who are smarter than me tell me about the ball after the season but i think yeah i i don't know how to value the ball totally so i didn't Right. Really me too. Yeah, yeah. Same mindset. And I just think it's, it's just going to add um, more elements to me possibly be wrong in. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to. Yeah. That, that was my feeling is I didn't yeah. want to like take five homers off a bunch of guys who I was maybe interested in and then find out after the season, like, Oh, this ball thing wasn't even a big deal. I should have said, yeah. so I just, yeah, I haven't, I haven't, uh, I didn't make a big change because of it. Cool. Absolutely. I feel the same way. Um, What do you think about the um, like using like the Michael Kopex and the Garrett Whitlocks of the world as uh, kind of a way to beef up your innings and Mm -hmm. with his release? Is that like an approach you've thought of or you think it can be viable? 
Yeah, I love it. That's something I've done a lot, uh, okay. actually, over the years. Like, oh. I like the high volume relievers. So I, uh, it, it depends how my closers are going, but I like, I like to have at least a couple relievers on my, in my lineup. And, and I would, I don't mind having three actually last year in the labor league, uh, the mixed labor, I won that league and it was more of a sprint and my pitching staff fell apart. Um, and I had Verlander in the first round that, you know, how well that went last year. And, uh, I just ran out of pitchers. I forget who the other ones were, but he was not my only injured pitcher. Anyways, I ended up rolling like five relievers a week for like the whole month of September, but some good, uh, TJ Antone was one of them and Mm. like some good guys who were getting some volume and just made, I don't know if I could have done that for six months in a season, but I could do it for one in a two month season, but Yeah. uh, yeah, I've always liked them and maybe Kopech moves in the rotation now, but I think when these guys are really skilled it's worth picking them up and then just kind of seeing what happens they don't hurt you in your lineup uh maybe you get lucky and they get moved into the rotation or they close or they have one of those magical like like seth lugo i i think is a great example of that where Mm -hmm. absolutely not this year but when he was healthy like he'd have inning he'd have years where he throw 80 85 85 innings maybe get a lot of 100 strikeouts right. in a few games save a couple of games like you didn't really know what was going to happen with him but you knew it was probably going to be good so right. yeah. yeah i like i like these guys cool awesome and i yeah I'm, i've been wondering too if it's like maybe another route that based um you know teams can control their players in if like mm-hmm. if these guys have two or three inning roles and they're not getting you know starts or <laughs> you know uh saved yep. you know like maybe teams will find another avenue to control salaries and arbitration and all that bullshit that we know that goes into it um right. so but um yeah and i feel like if it's a way to get the arms up into the majors and then see what you know like especially with guys who, who kind of maybe need to get stretched out or you don't know their route but you know that they could be good in spurts and then you decide all right maybe we'll try to stretch him out or he's good in this you know short role you know so mm-hmm. um absolutely um i will say that my my thought on the re- i will qualify it by this my thought on the middle relievers like like those guys is it's very much centered on trying to win my league. Uh, right. I, I, one thing I know that I'm not good about thinking is how to win an overall contest. Cause I haven't gone in the much because of that job with major league baseball. So that I'm just getting back into that. And I do recognize that there's a ceiling on the Garrett Whitlock's like the, like unless you get lucky and they get converted into starters or closers or whatever. But like, I do like my thinking is always just about winning my league because that's, that's how I've always played. And right. I do, I, I am accepting the last couple of years that there is a different thought process with chasing upside in these main events and, and online championships. And that maybe for that reason, those guys don't have a high enough ceiling and maybe they're a little less attractive in those formats. But, but my initial response, my mind always comes back to just like winning your league. And sometimes you can win your league by just filling out your pitching staff with guys who don't do anything wrong. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. And um, uh, I feel like uh, I know when I, I did my first draft champions, um, I think I just want to win this league. I want to get a little bankroll in the mm-hmm. NFC and that's it. You know, I'm going to try to, so I speculated really late on saves thinking, okay, like, let me just push that category away a little bit. Um, try to scrap up as much as I can. And with late, like next man up types and, you know, happened to be like Presley and Barnes went into the full-time role, <laughs> you know, like, so it's something I wasn't trying to do, you know, it's like, I really was honestly just like, yeah, I just want to win this league and get the, get the first place prize. And, um, and it just fell into the fact that they got on an, an insane run, but um, yeah, they definitely had a different mindset because I know from like, 
the whole draft champion season, I was like, you know, just, uh, I guess like the, like the old and, uh, boring player, you know, the consistent guy just going to get played appearances, but then the main event came around and I'm like, Ooh, Luis Robert, you know, like, uh, that kind of, uh, uh, I, I think that mentality came into my mind a lot more for a good reason. I think, you know, like, like you said, you have to chase that upside a little bit enough, you know, to, um, you know, just leap you to that overall title. Big difference. Yeah, that's, that's true. I, I also in, a lot of those worst type leagues, I like. I don't mind being a category punter, and I, but I knew I had to get rid of that mindset once I was going in an overall contest, right? Like, like I've won Tetworths a couple of times punting saves, and I'll like fully punt saves, like not mess around with late round. Maybe I can get Matt Barnes or whatever. Like, like I'm fully out on saves the whole season, and I'm just going to take my one in the category. But I know that's not a strategy. Like, you shouldn't go in the main event if that's your strategy. Like, just right. don't do that. Invest your money in single, single yeah. so, so I've had to adjust my thinking for sure on some of those things to try to have a more balanced roster. But it's good. It's good to play different types of strategies and, and, and think on your feet better. Right. And I, I, I love the strategy that you guys um, did in that tag team. We were taking the back-to-back closers. Um, Cause I thought it was just smart. Like it's uh, especially you see the mess it is right now. And it's like, why wouldn't yeah. you want to go that route? You know, like uh, you get, you get your hater and Hendrick and that's it. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go to I'm sleep. Hoping, as long as those two guys hold up, you right. should get they should, seven, yeah. 70, 70 or more saves yeah. without having to spend five draft picks on relievers or without having to spend $500 yeah. or whatever <laughs> on your relievers. So I mean, we, paid, we paid for those saves big time, but um, you know, through draft capital, but hopefully it'll all work out. There's not enough fab money for those guys, though. Like, that's the thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you get $500 on Merriweather and, you know, out Josh yes. Hader in the third round looks like a bargain. Yes, you know? for sure. Yes, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's the way I look yeah. at it. And I'm wondering if that's going to, you know, e- e- even get a little more pushed up as we go forward. Just Are they going to become so scarce and so desired that they might even pop up higher in the drafts? I don't know. It's interesting. It's possible. It, it's basically like, I don't know if you play a lot of fantasy sports like other sports, but it's it's the running, it's the workhorse back thing in football, right? right? Like right. everybody's splitting backfield touches. Yeah, which is smart, but there's a few teams still running a workhorse back. So those few workhorse backs are worth so much because they're getting all the touches. It's it'll yep. be the same. The more teams are dividing up saves, the more the few old school Tony LaRoostas who are like, I'm using my closer every single time in the ninth inning and only in the ninth inning. And he's getting 40 saves this year. Those guys become more valuable. He's making some risky choices. This he week. sure is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he'll be in that job for long. It is, it's so bad. Uh, why do they yeah. set themselves up to like I don't know. value like that? It's sometimes yeah. just like, I, I don't understand these organizations, you know? You uh, know why? Because organizations are run by really old men. Right. That's it. it they're right. run by really old men who then look at Tony LaRussa and are like, he's not that old. He's fine. I remember his heyday, <laughs> right? He probably ha- he probably hasn't had baseball pass him by in the last 15 years, right? Yeah. Like, he no. probably can do this. Yeah. And no, no, he can't, but but you remember him with the Oakland A's and you think he can still, you think that the baseball hasn't changed or something anyways. Yeah. Yeah. That's what yeah. it is though. It's run by there's, there are yeah. too many old men making these decisions. Right. Absolutely. You need to get the youth in. Yeah. Get it in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so talk exactly. to me about free agency at this time of the year. What are you looking for when you pick up a, a batter or a player and how do you determine if, um, um, if it's for like a little rental or what, what pops out to you when you say that this might be a reg, uh, 
a rest of the season type player. Yeah. Well, two things to know about me. First of all, I'm cheap. So, <laughs> so I have to really push myself to spend. Like I know. I always hear you um, on the pod. Jeff was like, you're always trying to get the second or third. I'm always trying to finish second. Because that means yeah. if you finish first, you barely finish first, right? If you're aiming to finish second, then like, so if you're I like, I it. think this guy's going to go for like 80. I'll bid 55. Yeah. And then sometimes you get them for 55 because nobody bid 80 and the next bid ends like 50. And you're like, I got them. Bam. Just barely. Yeah. But, but you got to be willing to, to then look at, at 10 PM, a lot of Sunday nights and be like, yep, he went for 80 and I bid 55. <laughs> Crap. Just like I said, it would happen. Right. So anyways, yeah, I'm cheap. Uh, no, mostly at this point, I'm trying not to look too high. Maybe I should look a little more. I'm trying not to look too much at rentals unless it's to cover an injury. Um, I'm trying to find guys who I think, you know, maybe have some long-term potential now okay. in the pitching, in the pitching world, like long-term potential is not like the full season. Like it could be, it probably isn't. So for example, I kind of liked Alex Cobb going into the season. We'll see how he turns out. Um, right. I drafted him late on some teams. Uh, he was kind of like borderline round 30 type pick. I found like draft champions. I grabbed him on a couple of teams, but some other leagues, he went to waivers in my leagues and I kind of picked him up fairly quickly when he just had like one encouraging start because I, th I thought maybe there could be something there. I don't know if there's, I still don't know if there's something there or not. There's a right. nice strikeout to walk rate right now. So good. We're off to, right. <laughs> we got something positive to build on. So I'm trying to pick up guys who, yeah, who I think, I think in April, who I think have some long-term potential, but I, in all honesty, I haven't broke the bank on anybody yet. I don't know. Have you broke the bank on anyone yet? Like, have you had a, no. a no. $200 or $100? No, no, no. And, um, I like, you know, like probably a lot of other te teams in the league, you know, desperately need saves. I had, I had just the one like horrible move that's going to stay with me all year is, is, and that first main event draft on March 20th, I, my 28th pick, 29th pick was Cesar Valdez. And before the, on the first fab run before all the leagues, I dropped them. Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so you're and, just cheering for him to lose that closers role just so it stops burning you away. Eh? So, so you, yeah. just, you just want him to lose that closer role. So you can be like, okay, there you go. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. You I know did what, lose a though? few saves, but I knew it. You don't want to lose 25 saves on that guy. I don't want to, but I'm not that type of person, Fred. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I wish it like he's, he's awesome. I, I, I wish him well. I'm not going to wish any ill yeah, on that. Yeah. That was my, yeah. that was just seriously my, you know, my bad. Like I, yeah. I just, you know, I thought I had a different need on my team and you know that's it make decision but no i haven't broke the bank even though i i i think the closest i came was maybe maybe going a little up there for uh grave men like in the 80s mm -hmm. and 90s and at least the same thing like 80 and 90 but i i don't think i've entered over a hundred dollars actually i did one in my online championship um I got off to a great start and I think I'm hovering in like the top 20 overall. And it was like the second week of the season and um, Alex Reyes was out there and I knew it was going to go for two, you know, 200 plus. And I just felt like I had, I had Chapman and I had, um, uh, I have another good close. I'm like, you know what, if I can really just lock in like a run of three solid closes right now. So he's the only guy I went up, I think two thirty for him. Um, even though I'm a big Hicks believer um I, I was like you know what i think these saves might be really good for my team right now but that's as close as I, i've come i just I, yeah. I don't know i can't and like you said i i'm sitting here on most nights going yep um i thought with that amount and i'm pretty much the same as you trying to you know not break the bank but put into modest bids and uh 
I, I also haven't been, I don't know if you've had any of these, but I haven't had any dumb drops yet. So like, I just like, told like, you like, about one. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Sorry. No, no. You misunderstood. I mean, I haven't had anyone in my league drop someone who they took in like round 15. Like, oh, you, know, oh, yes, you know what true. I mean? Those dumb yes, drops. So yes. like, like you'll see those like in someone else's main event league, like, oh my gosh, this, you'll like, I don't really actually scour through them, but I'll hear sometimes on Twitter, like this guy was dropped in a league, you know, I, well, Jeff and I were on the Rotowire. We were just talking about yesterday, like, is it time to drop Ian Happ or guys like Kyle Day or uh, I know. Uh, I heard, I heard yeah Davies and stuff like that? Like we were just like talking about some of these. Andrew McCutcheon is off to an awful start. Like, will somebody drop him? So so far in my leagues, I also haven't had. Oh wait, that's not true. In one of my leagues, someone dropped Yuli Gurriel. And if what fifteen teamer in a fifteen Holy teamer, somebody shit. dropped him after like two weeks. And and I looked, and the day <laughs> they dropped him, he was hitting over three hundred. Yeah. So that didn't make a lot of sense. But anyways, on that particular team, I did not need hitting. I really needed pitching. I did not need hitting at all. I put in a competitive bid on him. I didn't get him. I think he went for a lot, like 400 or something right. like that. Right. 350, something like that. But anyways, in some of my leagues, like, like that's the other thing. Like maybe I would have put in a big bid if someone had made a silly drop. Like Cesar Valdez isn't a silly drop. You're around 28 guy you dropped and he just has come back to kind of bite you in right. the ass so far. Like we'll right. see where it goes, but um, yeah, those drops where someone just gets impatient and then they just drop someone who is off to a slow start, but come on, like at least needs to be stashed on your bench till he gets going. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I I've been doing the uh, like a Monday, Tuesday pod with um, Todd Whitestone um, and who writes SP streamer.com. And um, you know, so I've been going through the drops because part of our, mm. our pod and um I tell you, I think it's because it's a great process too. Like I, there's a couple of them. I'm just like, wow. Like, what did you have on your team that you need this <laughs> you guy? Drop you know? that guy. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, yeah. wow, fascinating. You know, yeah. it's just uh, a, a couple. Yeah, there hasn't been any dumb drop though in my league. Yeah, yeah. that causes some crazy, um, you know, fab, fab, mm-hmm. fabapalooza, or is that yeah. just for rookies? What's the official fabapalooza thing? Is I like that... fa- I like fabapalooza. I think that one's good. Yeah, fabageddon. Good one. I like okay. all <laughs> fabageddon. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's yeah. a good one. I that's... hope we have one of those weeks this year. That was two years ago right when uh, all those guys came up at the same time Keston Hira and Austin Riley and all those guys uh, like one weekend in May and they were all they were like all on waivers the same Saturday or same Sunday I should say that was really fun that weekend because I remember discussing and trying to figure out which what order were you going to put them in and were you just going to bid like 150 on all of them and Nikki Lopez was one of them I remember are you going to wow. bid like 150 on all of them and just take whoever you get right. or are you going to or are there ones you really want and then and were you going to anyways that was a really fun weekend I hope we have one of those weekends this year yeah that'd be that'd be pretty fascinating yeah yeah, yeah definitely for sure um yeah. so what what do you look for in 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 an actual like um is there specific things that pop out um to you that when you pick up a guy like um in terms of like a hitting metric or a pitching metric is there something right now at this point of the season where you feel pretty firm with no, not totally. I mean, I think I'm looking at the whole toolbox on, on the Statcaster Fangraphs page, probably more right. Fangraphs page. I've always been a Fangraphs guy, but um, like, I, like, I, like if it's a pitcher, I'm looking at all the things probably everyone else is strikeout rate, walk rate, you know, I'm looking at, I look at a lot of, I think maybe I look more than some people do at opportunity, just like, mm. like what's his role and how, and how much like leash does he have to keep it? You know, is he in a, if he's got a rotation spot, do I think it's his to hold? 
or is he holding it for someone else really you know if he's a if he's a potential clo well potential closers are worth a lot anyways but if it's a hitter yeah. if, like where is he in the lineup and do i think he could stay there and is he regular playing time and, and do i think it's because just because someone's hurt or what's the deal so i think i probably look more at role maybe than some people do but as far as skills go I think we're all kind of looking at the same things, you know, exit right. velocity and all these things and trying to find the little nuggets in there. And one thing I'm trying to be more open-minded the last couple of years than I used to be, I think I used to be a little too close-minded and my eyes would just skip past certain guy and be like, no, no, not him. He sucks. No, 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 not him. He sucks. Who's that guy? I never heard of him. Forget it. I'm trying to really stop at every name now and really give every guy my best attention. Is, is, is that because like a previous uh, bias, a previous experience with a player? No, I just think, of... again, it's almost like the draft thing where you go back and look at your teams. Like, I think when I go back and look at guys I missed, um, I think sometimes I can just be too dismissive. I'll give you a great example is I have no Jazz Chisholm this year. Mm. Um, not to say that I should have for sure. But I was very dismissive of him before the season. I was like, I was like, he's going to strike out too much. It's not going to work. Right. That was my take. He's going to strike out too much. He's not ready. It's not going to work. That still might be true at some point. Right. Right. At He's some still point. striking right. out plenty, but right. so are a lot of other guys. So that's the thing, right? Like, how, yeah. How, do, how we, you know, I think we like might not weigh the, you know, like the strikeout right. thing enough. Like the swing and miss. Okay. Fine. Right. <laughs> so maybe at the point I should have said, He's going to strike out a lot, so I'm not going to take him very high, but he does have some pop and he does have some ability to steal bases. And there's not a lot of those guys around. Uh, maybe he's worth a late round pick and I hold him on my bench for a couple of weeks and see. And if I had done that in some leagues, I forget what he went for in my tout wars auction. I think it was not much five or six bucks and it's an NL. So like five or six bucks matters, but still, I don't think it right. was much. So there's a great example of me. I, I, just where I try to be anecdotally critical of myself and learn from my mistakes. So the right. next time a jazz Chisholm comes up, maybe I give that guy a little more credit and maybe I get something like what people have gotten out of jazz Chisholm in the last month. I know he's on the IL now, but like, whatever, like if you picked him, you're pretty excited right now. Like you made a good decision. Right. Absolutely. Uh, seven stolen bases, right. Um, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. yeah. I, and, and it's something too, like, um, I wish I had seen him play because I think there's a lot of him right now. What a lot of people love is his actual self. You know, they're drawn to him. He's, mm -hmm. he's a bright young kid who's just having fun. And, you know, like the guy caught his uh, bullet up the middle, like behind his back. And he just mm -hmm. like, give Mike this little stand down. Like, mm -hmm. man, you really caught that? Like, yeah. I don't know. There's something to yeah. him. Like I think people are drawn to. So yeah. I, I probably would have drafted him a lot like stronger if I saw like, Oh, I yeah, like this maybe. guy. Like I want him on my team. I'll root for this yeah. guy any day, you know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think the, the whole, um, you know, I, I just been really trying to pay attention to um, playing time as much as possible. And I feel mm -hmm. like, like a couple guys that kind of slipped onto my radar, like actually my my most targeted player this week was uh, Zaza on the Rockies, just because I I needed outfield help, and I just it was one of those guys, like you said, like I just kind of like skipped his name, yeah, and then like, and then and then with the lineup thing, I'm like, wow, he's played seven straight days. That's pretty yeah. interesting, you know. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's uh, you know, we always find these things in uh in different forms. So, um, all right, so I really wanted to uh, you know, we talked a lot, but this. is it's been going great. Um, I read your article in Baseball HQ in 2018, and it was a uh, revolves around your uh, Trader Fred moniker that the industry has has given you. So you wrote this three piece, uh, three part trading advice column on Baseball HQ, um, and I remember it was like 
one like one of the instant articles that I read and I was like wow this is fascinating because it's just detailed like how I like I felt like uh, my brain was in the article I'm like wow this this is awesome this is exactly how you make trades and um, I thought it would be cool if we you know just hit a couple of the the, you know, the biggest pieces from that article. Um, but uh, yeah, so how did you, uh, I know there's a story behind how you um, became such an active participant in making trades um, and you explained it on the, in the article on Baseball HQ. So if you wouldn't mind, maybe you can, you know, give us an insight to how you became Trader Fred. Yeah, so so I, I learned, I didn't learn a lot of lessons. I, I didn't grow up in the most stable house. I didn't learn a lot of great lessons from my dad, but I can tell you a great one that I did learn. Um, so uh, my dad, I don't know if I put this in the article, Rob, you can tell me because I know the story. So I don't know what I put in the article, but my dad has a grade six education. I don't know if I ever put that in the article. Not many people's dads. Uh, no. I don't know if I, if I put that in the beginning. So my dad has a grade six education. His dad died uh, when he was in grade six. So my grandpa died when he was in grade six. My dad had to drop out of school to run the family farm so all he started off so anyways when he was an adult and went out in the real world uh off the farm when they eventually sold it he had a grade six education in his pocket he started working selling car parts um eventually he decided uh my dad's not great at working for people so eventually he decided he would open his own car parts store um, so he did in the same town as the store that he had been working at and had existed for a long time. So he kind of had to fall in line second behind that store, uh, for business with all the local garages. And, uh, there was this construction company in town and, uh, they, ordered more parts than anyone to, just to keep you know all their construction vehicles on the road they would or they were the biggest you know ordering in town and they obviously ordered from the store that had been around forever well my dad wanted to get their business because he felt like if he could wrestle their business away from this established auto parts store word would spread around town that his store was better and then the garages around all the little garages around town would slowly start coming to him and be like hey if the biggest construction company in town left the other store for your store, you must have better service than the other store does. So he went in and saw them and he told them like, I'd like your business, you know, but I respect you got a deal with you. You've always been with the other store, but I want your business. What do I got to do to get your business? They say, you're not getting our business. He, they, we've always been with the other store. We're happy. And he said, okay, I totally respect that. So then from then on every Friday, he would go into the construction company and he asked see the manager and he said, Hey, I just want to know you. I just want to know, is there anything they couldn't get you this week? No matter how small one little part, is there anything they couldn't get you this week? So if there's anything they couldn't get you this week, I'll get it for you. And I don't care if I have to drive into Toronto, which is an hour, about an hour from where his store is to a warehouse and get it. I'll get it. If it's a $5 part, I don't care. I'll get it. If there's anything they, so they would, every week he'd go and every week they'd say, no, 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 we don't have, no, we got everything. Nope. They got everything we wanted. Nope. We got everything we wanted. Maybe once in a blue moon, they need something. And he'd grab and he, and he'd make sure they got it in the next 24 hours. And he kept going and he went for a couple of years. He'd go in every Friday and ask and just politely. And they, they were always fine. And then one Friday he went in there and the, he said, the manager, like, do you need anything? And the manager said, can you come back and see me in my office? So he went, back wow. and, went back and saw him in his office. And he goes, he said, I, I don't like, actually, I haven't wanted to say anything publicly, but I don't like the way they, this other auto parts store has been treating me lately. We're out. We're in for you. You get the whole thing. <gasps> and he was like, he's, he, he probably drank a lot of beer that night. I bet because he was pretty excited. So 
he so anyway so he went from he got all their business from that point forward he made sure that they were never lacking for anything just like he predicted word spread around town that that he, he was serving the biggest construction company and a lot of the garages around town switched to him and his business took off and there was no looking back from there and eventually and very quickly he was number one in town and this other business was number two so i so now what's that got to do with fantasy baseball um i've always felt like you got to have your ear to the ground in a, in a league with trades. Uh, right. You got to have your ear to the ground. I don't want something to be going by in my league where I'm like, Oh, how did they make that trade? I didn't even know that guy wanted to trade that guy. You're right. never going to know unless your ears to the ground. I want to know if you're looking to get a closer. I want to know if you're looking to trade at your extra first baseman. I want to know if you're panicking. I want to know. So the only way you can do that is to be in touch with people regularly, which is great. Like in those, especially in those leagues, like Tout Wars and Labor, where we're all kind of working in the industry and like to get to know each other. You stay in touch with people, you check in with people, you know, you, you send them a quick email saying like, Hey Rob, like, like I noticed you just lost a closer. If you're interested in getting one, I'll put together a fair offer for you. Or, Hey, I noticed your team's third last in steals. If you're interested in getting a few bags, I'll put together a fair offer for you. And you try not to waste their time and you try not to dick them around, mm -hmm. get them ridiculous offers and things like that. Um, because you got to, because I'm going to play in these leagues for years and you don't want to be, you don't want to be, you can be trader Fred fine, but you don't want to be jerk Fred who everybody's right. like, Oh, great. Here he comes again. So, uh, but I try to always keep my ear to the ground and I try to just like how in that story, like, like my dad wasn't going in there saying, I want your business. Because they don't care if he wants, they don't care he wants their business, right? right. Like they don't care about his mortgage or anything else. Like they got their own business to run. He always came in from their side of things. Do you need anything? Could I help you get something you need? And that's how I approach fantasy baseball trades too. So, hey, just checking in, Rob. Notice you're a little light in the wins category. Would you like a starting pitcher? If you would like a starting pitcher, name a couple starters on my roster that you think you're kind of interested in. I'll try to put together a fair offer for you. So, I'm, I'm going to you like from learning another lesson from that story, I'm going to you for like your, I'm trying to help you. Right. And if, if you don't want any help, if you write me back and you're like, no, nope, love my team the way it is. Don't think it could possibly be any better. Then fine. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to someone, I'll, I'll talk to someone else. I'll visit you again in a couple of weeks. So right. Yeah. That's, so I try, that's how I try to, that's how I tried to be active. I'll be honest. I'm not as active as I used to be. That's all my kids fault. I blame them completely for that. <laughs> they monopolize my time and then I don't have time to do some of these things, but I'd like to be, and right. I still am. And I still am when I can uh, try to check in with guys and you can get the vibe from some guys. They don't want to like some, there's some guys who I would email and I just be like, I, I get the vibe. This guy just doesn't want to make trades. He just doesn't seem his responses are short. He seems kind of annoyed. For, I'll just leave him alone. I won't come back to him again unless it's like blatantly obvious that, that that he would be interested in a trade. But generally, I'll leave him alone. But then you get the vibe from a lot of other guys that 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 they think talking about the trade might be fun. So those are guys who I'll I'll, I'll engage with, and I'm not afraid to just, I'm not afraid to make a bad trade. They don't take away my house if I make a bad trade. My kids <laughs> if I take a, a bad trade, I've always said that, right? Like, wow, that's a great point. And I make some bad trades, lots of them. I made lots of bad trades over the years. So I traded for Craig Kimbrell in Tout Wars right before opening day last year. That was not a good idea. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but but again, like you got to have some fun with it, right? So right, right. Yeah. So that, so that's kind of how I got into trading and, and kind of my approach to it. You missed all the shots you don't take. It's what Michael Jordan said. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. But yeah, so that's great. So just being there, like just, just, just checking in and just letting, yeah. 
letting league mates know like, Hey, and, and I love that, you know, like the, your little, uh, you know, um, email to me that you just, I never got an email that, that was worded that nicely, Fred. And if I did, <laughs> I would be so engaged because I think that's the biggest thing in my leagues. You know, you just get what sometimes I feel like is like a pretty fair deal and, and crafting out a, you know, a, a quick prompt, um, email and, um, and then it's like you get you get a you get a um a counter offer. See, I don't know which one I I dislike the most. Either getting a counter offer from what I thought was a fair deal and getting countered something that's like way yeah, yeah. and I'm like, oh sorry, wow, how did I insult you? You know, like I, mm. I didn't see that. And then you know, um, or the other one where it's just nothing, you know, you, you take a, you take 20, 30 minutes out of your time and, you know, you get this nice little offer. And like you said, um, here's what I could do for your team. And then you just nothing, no, no, no reject, no, no reply to the yes. email. And you're like, yes. what happened? What are you doing in your life? <laughs> I know. I know. Yes, the, me lack of the lack of response is the worst. It is. Um, and uh, yeah, the lack of response or they're just really bad response. Like, sorry, not interested. <laughs> so that's the guy, like if I get a sorry, not interested and I, I can think of a guy, I won't name him, but I can think of a guy I played in Towers with for a few years where that would be the response I would get. So then I just, I would be like, okay, I'm either going to not offer that guy trades or I'm going to offer him trades that I think are like really cut and dry. He's either going to say yes or no. And if he gives me a sorry, not interested, then I just, I'll just totally, like, I won't even try to come back to him with a modified right. proposal. I, I think if, as long as the guy's engaging um, who you're negotiating with, I usually also like to let the other person control a lot of the pieces in it. So like, let's say I have three closers and you need one. Like I'll be like, hey Rob, I got three closers. You've only got one. Do you want one of my closers? Which of my closers do you like? Like mm -hmm. in relation to kind of how, how they're generally viewed across the industry. Like obviously if I have Josh Hader and Mark Melanson, you like Josh Hader better. But like right. in general, compared to what you think they're probably going to cost, like which one do you want to talk about? Right. Um, you know, do you want to trade someone really good for Josh Hader? Or do you want to trade someone who's okay for Mark Melanson kind of thing? So I'll, mm -hmm. I often like to let the guy, the other person control some of those things. Or I might say to them, like, I need a closer. You've got three. Um, before I start making offers, like which one of these are you most willing to part with? Cause that's the guy I'll ask for and, gotcha. uh, and, and let them control some of it. Because I think, I think that makes us all feel a lot more, more comfortable in those things. Or and maybe sometimes they write right back and be like, no, I think I'm going to, I'm good. I'm going to roll three closers for a while. Right. So, yeah. And, and I, uh, a couple of things you mentioned is definitely know how, you know, um, how, how people are and how, like how best they um, want to receive any type of uh correspondent you know with the text mm -hmm. is it email uh you know like is it just a simple trade offer um mm -hmm. that you get um because uh sometimes people just like oh i didn't check my email uh, well i didn't know that i didn't know you didn't check your you know you don't check your email yeah like you know yeah. so just let me know like you know i'll text you you know or call I know. you you know i've been direct I, I don't text much because i'm in canada so i don't text americans much because i try to be respectful of everybody's got their different international plans and everything right. But I, I've started using direct messaging on Twitter more because I find the fantasy baseball community is really tied to Twitter. So I find guys usually notice those direct messages and get back to you. But you're right. Some guys like to get an offer and 
and some guys don't like to talk. They like to just get an offer. Like I'll be like, Hey, would you, would you be willing to trade a closer? And there's like, yeah, make an offer. Like that's how their mindset works, right? Like, go ahead. Yes, sure. Make an offer. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. I'll make an offer. Um, I've done the thing a lot, not recently, but sometimes where I might actually make you three or four offers, like firm offers, three mm. or four offers at the same time. So I'll sit down with a piece of paper and be like, okay, like I want a closer. Rob's got three. I'm going to offer him this package for this closer, this package for this closer, uh, this package for this closer. And oh, I'm going to give him two different offers for this one guy. And I'll just throw them all at you at once. And then maybe I'll send you a quick follow-up email to be like, hey, sorry for filling your inbox, but like, take a look at those offers. Tell me if you want to do one of them. Or if you don't want to do one, tell me which of the four is the closest. And then right. maybe from that one. And and just get, but, but again, trying to give you like more control over the situation, I think gives me a better chance to get a deal done. Cause usually right. I either, I either feel like I really want to get a certain player or something, or I feel like it's a, it's a stat that I really need like a category or something, but there's, there's gotta be something that piqued my interest. Right. right. In, in, you know, too. Yeah. And um, I want to get back to, actually I use Josh Hader as an example. And like you said, uh, you may have, um, you know, a clear, obvious, uh, person that this person may want um but um one of the things in the article is like don't don't um be close-minded like everyone everyone's available right mm -hmm. you know don't shut that out because you'll lose a possible avenue to gain value right mm -hmm. yeah that's right like i would so if i had josh Hader, if he was my only closer right now and you offered me boba for him i would make the trade and I wouldn't be like, whoa, I can't trade Hater. He's my only closer. I got to have a closer. I got to have a basic. And then this is a, my non-main event type thinking, right? Like just trying to win a mono league. So, right. so like, like I, I, so I, at the moment, I, so at the moment I get the Boba Shet offer, I'm like, okay, well, would I rather have Boba Shet than Josh Hader? Absolutely. Buy a decent amount. Maybe, maybe not everybody would. Maybe the guy who made me the offer wouldn't, but I would. So I'll take it. And now I have no closers. So we could be punting saves or maybe I'll try to make some good value deals in, tomorrow or in three weeks or in a month for some closers. But I just got Boba who I like better than Josh Hader for Josh Hader. My roster is now really unbalanced, but that's okay because it's only the end of April. Right. And now, I'm another, not making right. that. I may not, I might not make that trade in the middle of August because right. I might not be able to, like, I might be like, sorry, if I trade Josh Hader right now, I'm going to lose five points and saves. And I just can't do that. There's not time for me to make another trade to undo this one, but the end of August, the end of May, I'll make any trade. I'll trade my only base dealer. If that's what I had to do. Um, if I think it's a really good value trade, if someone came to me and was like, Hey, I want your best base dealer. I'll give you a lot for him. I love the guy. I'm like, sure, let's talk. And if I get unbalanced and I get unbalanced, I'll figure it out later. Uh, I, I think a lot of people struggle with that mindset. I don't think it's that that's a very hard thing to do. I think in my opinion, because, yeah. um, you know, everyone's striving for like that balance, that balance. I can't lose this guy. And mm -hmm. that's an awesome mindset. And I think it's, you know, it's hard, it's hard to get into, but if, if you can, like you said, if it's clear value or, or like, uh, wait a minute, this, I had this guy ranked in the top 20 as opposed to some closer that I could, you know, possibly try to, uh, uh, and like you said, you'll figure it out, right? It's, um, you got a long, a long way to go to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think once people know that you're open-minded and that you will go on balance, it actually makes other people in your league more likely to get in touch with you. And that's the other thing is like, I'm, I'm going to try to get out and get in touch with people that, so that 
so that trades aren't happening in my league and me and, and I'm just out of the loop. But at the same time, like I want you to know if you're in my league, like if I want to make a trade, I should probably check Fred's roster first because he's willing to make a trade and he's willing to think outside the box to make a trade. So if I look in the standings, like let's say you're like, I need steals. Well, I look in the standings. Oh, Fred's only middle of the pack in steals. He's probably not the guy to make a, get steals from. Actually, I know Fred. He'll think outside the box. Maybe he will do it. And you look on my roster. Oh, he's got Whit Merrifield. Oh, I, I, I'll take Whit Merrifield to get steals. Well, I'm going to have to offer him, uh, yeah, like, but I'll ask him. And my answer would be like, yeah, for sure. I'll trade with y'all. I like Whit Merrifield, but I'll trade him to you. Like if, right. if, if you give me what I, if you give me something I like better, I'll trade him to you. So I've also always been in the mindset that like, so for example, I like Whit Merrifield. I have him on a few teams this year. Probably if we surveyed 15, like it's in a league fantasy baseball managers, I'm probably in the top two or three for sure on my valuation of Whit Merrifield, but I might not be number one. And if I'm not number one, maybe the guy who is number one should get Whit Merrifield right, and, right. And for me. Right. And, and why do I have him and that guy doesn't well draft position, or if it's an, even if it's an auction league, when Wit came on the board, the other guy had bought a bunch of people and he just didn't have the funds left for him or he already had he already had his positions filled or already had a couple of base sealers, so he didn't want to spend them. Like, whatever. Just, there's a good chance that of all the play, most of the players on your roster, there's a good chance at least one person in your league likes each of those players more than you do. So you might as well right. find that guy and see if you can talk trade with him. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, total, that's a great point. And yeah. um you're only going to get out of it what you put into it. And that's totally right. Like you're saying, just take a time out, you know, and give, give the other owner like a well presented uh, option to have, not just uh, mm-hmm. um, what, one of my favorite things in the article was uh, I think how you put it was like, don't try to convince the owner, um, the other owner that, you know, what, what you're getting from them is just, it, it's just a bunch of bums. Like, don't sell it that way. Like, ah, yeah. these guys stink anyway. You don't want them. Like, yeah. that's not going to work. <laughs> no, no. Like, obviously if I want them, then I see, see some value in them. Right. So yeah, yeah like, like that whole, like used cars, like you're taking, you're taking my shirt here. Don't tell my boss how little I'm giving you this car for like yeah. that kind of thing. Like, <laughs> like, don't be that like sleazy kind of, uh, and I think the other one, another one is like, don't try to, don't try to put your valuations on someone else. They right. don't try to tell them what they should be thinking and be like, Hey, I have this guy, you have this guy, my guy's better than your guy. Like you must agree with me. Like, don't, don't like, don't tell them that. Cause I could be wrong. I'm wrong all the time. Like I like this guy more than this guy. I think this guy's more valuable than this guy. Doesn't mean that I'm right. That's just how I see it. If right. you see it the opposite way, like then that's totally fine. So, and sometimes I might say that I might be like, I'm starting from a point of, my player is worth more than your player. And now we've got to even it up. If you disagree with that, please tell me because then those two guys are not the starting point for a trade. Right. Yeah. I get that check, check your ego out the door. Yeah. You know, that's totally it. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. big. It's big. It's, it's, and, yeah. and nobody wants to talk trade with someone who's going to walk into the room and be like, so I know everything, you know, nothing. I'm going to tell you what's what, and then we're going to make a trade. Right. Like nobody wants to, nobody wants to trade with that guy. Exactly. Yeah. Those are the type of people I don't talk to either on Twitter. No. no. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's definitely for sure. Um, so one of the, um, one of the other things I wanted to bring up is um, like when you're building up and you're, and you, you know, you're going back and forth, like that time that you have to strike or that, that like period where it is to accept it. Like, you know, don't just randomly 
like I got to take a shower or take a walk and think about like, you know, if you worked up to that point, because sometimes, like you mentioned in the article, like something could just happen like that next game. Yeah. Right. You yeah. know, and then they go, yeah. I don't want that guy. Forget it. You know, like <laughs> yes. so when you work into that point and like you got to strike, get a strike on the iron tot, like, you know, do it when don't just procrastinate and overthink it. Right. Yeah, and, and I and, and yeah, for sure. And I'm gonna try to not waste the other person's time. So right, that's if huge. I can get back to that, if I can get back to them quickly, I'm gonna get back to them quickly. There's times where I can't, like there's times where I'm working or something like that, and I just can't. But if I can get back to them quickly, then I'm going to. And if they can't get back to me quickly, well, that's on them. I mean, I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they're busy working or parenting or whatever. But like, but if I can get back to them quickly, I'm going to because I want it. First of all, I want to keep the momentum going. Right. And second of all, like I want to be respectful of their time and and just where we're at right now. And let's see if we can actually like get something done. And and I'm like like I'm generally pretty decisive because I'm not afraid to make a bad trade. Uh, I'm pretty decisive. If someone's like, well, I won't do that, but I'll do this for this. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, I like that. Like I might do a quick, quick check, check rotowire or something like that. Just make sure I'm not missing anything. Okay, like the guy right. I'm getting health, the guy I'm getting healthy. <laughs> yep. Okay. There's nothing there to know. Okay. Good. Yep. I'm in. You know, maybe check his last couple box scores. Okay, he's still okay. Right. No, I'm right. I, I thought he was their number three hitter. I'm right. Yep. He's still their number three hitter. Okay. Yep. No, I'm in. And I don't. I don't. I've never. I don't think I've ever said. Very rare that I've ever been like. Oh, I need to sleep on that one. Right. Or, or anything right. like that, or, or check back with me later in the week or something. I, I usually, I, I like if I like it, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. I, I yeah. totally agree. I go with that gut yeah. feel. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, I had a couple of uh, you know, like well, like I said, uh, offered um, an owner uh, a player that was heading to the injured list. You know, but um, you know, just throwing out there, trying to trying to try to get a guy of value or, or, or just maybe I wasn't big on that player and instead of dropping him, see if anyone else wanted to stash him and get something. And, you know, uh, guy got accepted the deal. And then like two hours later, like, I didn't know he's going on the IL. I'm like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Why would you make that offer? I'm like, well, well, why would you accept it without looking at it? Like, right. why, you know, right. like I didn't do it on purpose to try to like get one from you. I just, uh, you know, you're known for stashing IL guys. So I thought that this would, you know, and that's another thing, right? Knowing your league, especially if it's a keeper league and, yeah. you know, knowing your league mates, like keep a little, keep a little log or at least a me- like, you know, a mental, you know, note of like uh, this guy always, you know, draft two $20 catchers and, and use all that information because mm-hmm. I think it's so big and especially keeper leagues where you just, you know, constantly dealing with the same people just, know they're in and out like spend more yes. time looking at what how they draft and and you know to try to pick up on anything because it just helps you you know in 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 anything you could do in a season you know yeah 100 percent. every every little bit of knowledge like any little edge you can get like it, it 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 all like anything like you said like almost like you're keeping a little black book of all the things to know about everyone in your league i mean i don't write any of it down but you just you, but once you get to talk trade with them you get to know them Right. And through those conversations, uh, Scott Pianowski is a, a great example, uh, like works with me at Yahoo and I uh, played in a ton of leagues with him. He doesn't, doesn't like, he doesn't like looking favorably at injured players. He's very open about that. So I don't mind speaking for him. Like, right. like if somebody's yeah. hurt and it's a six to eight week timetable, Scott's thinking 10. Like right. that's his, his mindset. Don't get too optimistic on injured players because you'll get burned. So if right. Scott's got someone who got hurt, I'm going to think to myself like, hmm, 
Do I want to make him like a buy low offer? Obviously it's going to be a buy low offer. This guy's hurt now, but like, am, am I a little more optimistic than Scott probably is, but that's because I know him. It's because I played in a bunch of leagues with him. I know that's his tendency. I would never offer Scott one of my injured players at a discount. He's not the kind of guy who would want to get him at a discount. Right. I'll go to someone else in my league. If I'm like, Oh, I've got this injured first base and I don't have time to wait for him to come back. I'll sell him for, for a discount. Scott's not my guy, someone else's, but you got to know the people in your league to, to be able to make those decisions. Absolutely. Totally yeah. agree with that. Um, yeah. and, and like, especially like, um, in my keeper leagues, I, I'm constantly trying to assess like everyone's roster as much as I can, because there may be times where like, you know, again, it's all about making the presentation to like, uh, all right. My, my big thing is I always like to scan the rosters for anyone who's got like my league is 10 keepers. So anything like over 10, if someone like, Hey, you know, I load in, but you got like 14, 15 great keeper options, great prices. Like, you know, do you, do you want uh one, you know, better, like one bigger player for a couple of those possible keepers? I, those are my like most desired trade to make and target is because I feel like, um, where they might think that they're in a position of like a surplus where they can give away some value. I, you know, I, I try to pounce on that. Yeah. That, I think that, I think that's a great way to do it. Yeah. I don't do a lot of keepers, but well, I don't do keepers really, but I help some people with keepers and I think, I think they're fascinating. I think that's a great way to do it. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So freight tra- trader, Fred, have you, um, uh, do you, do you have like a, a good success rate where people were just like, I'm not going to trade with Fred. There's some people where I get the vibe <laughs> oh, where yeah. I'm just like this guy's just like on edge. Like I can tell he's like suspicious. I guess that's the best word. Like, like this guy's suspicious. What's Fred trying to pull or something like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. so <laughs> if I get that vibe, then I'm just very quickly like, it's cool. Like you can go trade with someone else. It's fine. Like, right. I, like I, like you shouldn't be suspicious at the same time. Like, like I, like I'm going to try to make a, a trade here. That's good for myself you know, hopefully good for you, but I'm going to try to make sure it's a trade that's good for myself. So, and I'm not going to make any, any bones about that. So yeah, if I get the feeling someone's suspicious, then it just is like, nah, I just like, I don't want to deal with Fred, then that's fine. Yeah. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So how, how much thought, like how, how willing were you to possibly move Tatis? Were you like willing to, like, what was your, what was your threshold line of like, um, this is as low as I'll go, I guess, mm-hmm. ADP wise, or, you know, would it be like a shortstop for a uh, replacement, like Michael Lindor, like, would you have done Lindor straight up patatis? Yep. yep. Uh, yeah. So factoring in that it's an NL only, and the, okay, NL, right, only, right. the NL only waiver wire is so barren. No, I can right? imagine. And it's, tw- and it's even, it's not only an NL, it's a 12 team NL, which like is really deep. Right. Wow. So, yeah. so uh, in all honesty, I was debating offering him for Corey Seager, um, okay. Corey Seager. So, so at the auction, I spent 38 on Tatis, which seemed like a really good deal because bets and a bunch of other guys went for 40 and a little over 40. So, um, so but Tatis was kind of valued in our league. I say around 40, uh, Seager was a 28. So I was, I was looking at him. Uh, I was looking at Pete Alonso, um, not to say I love Pete Alonzo, but again, just the stats Pete Alonzo can get me over the stats. Someone on the waiver wire in an NL, which is basically zero can right. get me while Tatis is out. Um, like I was pessimistic that Tatis would come back as quickly as he did and then play as well as he did. And is there another shoulder injury coming? I have no idea. Have now, no that, idea. now that he's 
back and raking, like I would want, I, I wouldn't take those deals now. So I guess I'm glad I didn't make them. Those would have been a bad, maybe, well, maybe they wouldn't have been a bad trade. Maybe Tatis will be on the shelf in three weeks. Right. He'll have shoulder surgery. I don't know. But yeah, we have no idea. I would have, I would still have a hard time turning down Machado or maybe anyone higher than that. I would have to at least think about that, but I don't know. It's hard after what Tatis just did on the weekend now. To, to, to oh, I know. It. That's the thing. Yeah. It's, it's just, uh, what a, what a, but if someone what, came to me, if someone came to me and wanted them, uh, I, I would have to acknowledge that I have to, I have to consider giving them a discount. Like I can't expect them to value him as the $40 player that he was when we auctioned him mid March. Like he has a shoulder injury now that he's playing through that like, like he's not worth $40 anymore. Like how, when I go down to 30, 32, $34 worth of player, I don't know, but, right. but I'd be open-minded to talking about it. If anyone in my league contacted me for it. Yeah. 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 Of course. Like, like yeah. you said, you know, you definitely be open-minded. Um, yeah. Uh, it's uh, what a stud, what a, what a way to come back, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, you know, that's another thing on Twitter. Everyone, everyone's the team doctor all of a sudden, mm-hmm. right? You know, yeah. and like everyone knows better than what mm-hmm. Tatis's wellness team and his body knows, right? Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, he's ruining his career. Just, mm-hmm. just, uh, just let it be, you know. <laughs> yes. And on all topics on social media, everybody, <laughs> on seems topic. to be, everybody seems to be an expert of things that they barely even understand. And, and on people who they've never met and have never looked at their shoulder, even if they're even our doctor, like you've never right. looked at their shoulder or anything. So like, yeah, but, but every, you're right. Everybody's an expert on, on everything. So, yeah. So in that, in that instance, the patient approach seems to have so far has been the best one. I go to my um I go to my chiropractor and I talk to her about like player injuries, you know. Okay. So when I'm in there, I'm like, so what's this, you know? And how yeah. this, you know, like, how does this relate to baseball? And she'll tell me, and I'll just like I'll get my a lot of my um opinion from that, you know, like right. just having a, a good knowledge of the of the human body and how it works, and you know, there's the shoulder subluxation thing you know was something that she thought was like you know okay like you know it's touched out he could definitely get in there and he could re-injure it of course but it Mm -hmm. could be also where it's not it's not a big thing until the end of the year you know so Mm -hmm. who knows but the way he came back like you said the way he came back and just you know hits home runs off the best pitchers in baseball is just like whoa like come on guy You, you really had to come back and do that but what a fascinating so when he got hurt initially in spring training I had a, um, I did the NFBC, like, a like, um, the online, uh, the online auction. So it was like a $200, whatever, I think $250 online auction. And, um, I had mostly been picking the Grom or Cole, like early in drafts, you know, uh, one, two, mm-hmm. um, I, I had Tatis and one best ball I did that I had the number one pick in. And so I was like, you know what i i want like tatis plus giolito or you know like i want two like a tat um i was looking at a kuna cole i was like i just want you know two of the two top players and i worked it down on that and so that was one of those things where it's like oh it's like so what's the discount gonna be and do i want to go get it you know mm-hmm. so that was interesting because he was going for like 54 55 and um that draft it you know i of course you know went in at, at i think i got him for 43 mm-hmm. um which was still you know like high it was like oh my god but 
when you see what he was going for, it's like, okay, I think, you know, I hope he comes back. And then when he got hurt, I'm like, what a poor decision. And then he comes back and it's like, oh, yes. <laughs> and, you know, instantly the team, like, yeah. you know, just he lifts your team. It's yeah, fascinating. You yeah. Know? Yeah, absolutely. Just, uh, it, it's good to watch. It was good baseball. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, I think we got blessed with some good uh, Dodger Padre. Um, so who is your, what's the team right now that's kind of, you know, that you're looking at in, in, in real baseball, not fantasy and just saying like, wow, like uh, this is like a surprise team to me. Is any team stood out to you like kind of uh, playing a little better than you thought? That's a good question. I think it's so early that I haven't gotten that invested in a lot of, well, the Red Sox, actually. The Red Sox, right. pitch, because I'm a Blue Jays fan, I'm tied to the AL East. Um, right. Red Sox pitching. Um, and when you look at it, you're like, well, I guess, like the bullpen's been good. And just, they just shut the Mets out again. Wow. Yeah, I haven't Yeah, I haven't looked at the scores from tonight. Well, nothing. Wow. Yeah, there's another the night Francisco Lindor did nothing for me. But, Ryan oh, yeah, Bloomfield just had the best tweet. Ryan yeah. Bloomfield just had the best tweet. like, after all the analysis, all we have to do is stream against the Grom. Stream yeah. the pitcher against the Grom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, totally. You know, like this guy, he 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 has to go up and drive in his own runs for his. He must uh, just be like, guys, I'm going out for dinner alone tonight. <laughs> for like, I can't, I can't oh, even look at any of you guys. Absolutely. Hey, Jacob, you want to go, go to steak? I'm buying. No, no, no. Just leave me. Like just leave own. me alone. Um, a, what a stretch he's been on. Oh, but gosh. yeah, Boston, I think. Yeah. I think we all knew Boston would hit, but uh, the pitching has been better than expected and we'll see where it all goes. But uh, I think it might be somewhat sustainable. I, they don't need awesome pitching. They hit really well. Like they don't need awesome pitching. They just need respectable pitching. Right. Um, they've got not a great farm system, but they're building again. Right. Uh, and I think down in Duran or, or, you know, yeah. from what I've been reading are, are like ready to, you know, impact yeah. players. Yeah. And they have deep pockets. If they want to add pitchers this summer, if they're winning the division still and want to kind of make a bit of a run this year, maybe not like a massive run, but like if they're doing well and they want, like they, it's Boston, they can pick up pitchers and, right. and add to that rotation. So we'll see how some of these guys go, but Plus I sale. think that's a team that was, I, I thought Boston just, yeah. And they'll obviously could get sale back and, Boston's a team where I, I had, I kind of jazz Chisholm them like as a yeah. whole, whole team. I, I, I drafted a lot of their hitters, but I just, and I have some Evaldi too, but I just, as a team, I was like, okay, they're not going to win yet. Like they're right. going to need another year to build their pitching back up and maybe they don't. Right. Yeah. Right. They, yeah. They've been, they've been pretty solid and yeah. Uh, yeah. Pretty interesting. I just can't believe they can't score against the, uh, best talks but mm-hmm. all right cool fred i don't want to take any more of your time i really appreciate you uh sitting down and chatting with me tonight it's been awesome Had a real yeah, good talk. it was yeah for sure anytime cool man awesome enjoy your night and uh you want to tell everyone all my listeners where they could find your work and uh where they can listen to your podcast with uh jeff yeah, for sure. So uh, they can always reach me on Twitter at Fred Zinke MLB. Uh, my podcast is Tuesdays uh, with Jeff Erickson. Uh, they just recently started doing that as like a live uh, video, which so if anyone checks out my Twitter oh, yes. feed or Jeff's Tuesdays at four um, okay. from about four to five, we're on and uh, they can come in and ask questions live and or and listen in live and see us and everything uh or you can just download it off itunes or whatever later that day um yeah and all my writing is up on yahoo so usually about three articles a week up there so Sweet. that's a way yeah. to find me right now awesome live live is the new rage and yes. um 
the one I actually like the um, the involvement part of it. Mm-hmm. But what I don't like about it is that like I can't put you guys on like one and a half speed as usual. Right. Right. <laughs> right. It's true. That's true. Why are these guys talking so slow? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't yes, know if you're regular uh, people. Yeah. Regular people talking. Yeah. That's true. Are you a fast, uh, fast speed guy or you? Keep I'm going? not actually. No, no. I'm not. I, I oh. was for a while. But I kind of like to, I don't know, I kind of like to enjoy my podcast. Like, got it. Like, got it's not it. like a, like, it's not like a work project. So interesting. I got yeah. you. And because yeah. I'm running, because I'm running when I'm listening to them, like, I don't know, I don't really want to speed them up. Like, I kind of want to be relaxed when I'm running. Yeah. I was going to say, if you probably speed up the voice, you'll probably run faster. <laughs> I should try that. I try that tomorrow. Speed up the <laughs> well, voice, see if I said new personal best. Yeah. Because some days I've done that where, you know, when you're totally right, like I, I have to snap away because I was just trying to, you know, con- just get in as much as yeah. I can. And then I felt like I was that person all day. Like yes. I was going yeah. at two speed all day. I'm like, what am I like? My brain was a wreck. I'm like, this has got to stop. <laughs> when you speed them up, it's almost like work to listen to the podcast. Like it's like you're listening to it. Like it's like a work meeting or a mission. Right. Like I got to get this podcast digested. But when I'm listening to them, like I want the content, but at the same time, like, I don't know, I usually like to kind of enjoy it. So, so no, I haven't, I haven't been, a, I, I tried it for yeah. a while. I didn't love it. Yeah. I feel like um, when I do, it's through podcasts where I can anticipate won't just be um, reciting like Wobus lash lines mm-hmm. or anything like that. Like where, um, cause there's sometimes where like, cause I'll, I'll keep it at like a steady one and a half or like 1.2, but sometimes I'll drop it down, you know, when there's something I hear and I'm like, well, well I, I need to hear that. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I need to hear this. Like you were saying, I need to write this down. I need to hear this. I need to hear it again, too, um, mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, you can't maybe decipher it as. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, like you said, it is become it becomes like you're doing work. And uh, mm-hmm. that's why it's like a, a bad habit I got into. The two the, the two speed was stupid. I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. In my life? yeah, I had to stop that quick. I was like, yeah. this is not good. I don't want to live this lifestyle. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but cool all right fred awesome thank you for coming man appreciate it yeah for sure all right cool all righty folks once again thank you for tuning in to another episode of the poor hitter podcast um thanks for all the feedback and the listens really truly means a lot if again you haven't rated the show yet on apple podcast if you want to do so that would be cool you know send a snapshot to me on dm um on twitter at dead hitter then a a little screenshot of uh of your rating and the review and uh i'll send you some pull hitter swag um if you want some yeah um then it's really cool thanks for everyone who's has done so really appreciate it much appreciated so um hope you guys enjoyed the show and yeah you know hope you're enjoying life just uh just be happy just be happy that you're living and breathing yeah and it's uh just simple advice you know trying to kick I'm going to try to kick some pull hit advice every time now at the end of the show just like if there's something in your life that's bothering you one of my favorite phrases like um uh, this is uh, a shout out to Johnny L and uh Maddie Wood um Matt Cupfully and uh Brock um the uh FTM boys um the you know fade the noise fade the nonsense and that's like not just a fantasy term that's real life uh if this stuff in your brain um that's causing you uh any blockage from your full potential to full clarity just get rid of it you know just doesn't need to be there you know fade it fade the fade the nonsense right 
uh, focus on the focus on good things and things that you want to focus on and eliminate the rest. That's how you you know um, get the full potential of yourself. Um, yeah, so hope that made sense. But um, yeah, smarten up, guys. You know, don't be a bag of shit. All right.